Hi, Natalie. Hey, Tara. What's up? How are you? <laughs> Doing okay. Are you surviving this heat? Barely. Yeah, seriously. I am mostly avoiding people in heat as much as I possibly can. Very grateful for it. An air conditioned record store right about now. <laughs> yes. And I've been cherishing moments where I can sit and listen to an audio. I love audiobooks of music biographies because I can hear the artist telling the stories. Uh-huh. I love them so much. And I just finished Willie Nelson's biography. Ooh, I bet that was good. It was so good. And you know, I love Willie. Who doesn't love Willie? But it's like, I don't often reach for his music. Um, it's just, you know, I've listened to it growing up as a person from Tennessee. Uh, you just hear Willie Nelson. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also as a child from the 80s, and he had some hits in the 80s. So I really wanted to read his biography. And then I saw that he was coming to Atlanta on my birthday. So I'm going to see Willie Nelson on my birthday. It's fated. That's so cool. Yeah. But since listening to his biography, it got me listening to some like country vibes lately. Mm. Okay. (laughs) That's cool. (laughs) And I just realized he has a brand new album out in 2022. That's awesome. That's fantastic. Good for him. It's so good. Tell me. It's so good. And I think... can Can I ask you, what's like a cool... Willie Nelson fact that you never knew before that you learned from this book. Okay. So do you know how everyone is like, oh, he didn't pay his taxes, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) That's like that. Like, it's not an urban legend. It's in fact true. Well, he hired a manager who was supposed to be handling all that stuff. Okay. And he also bought into something that the IRS was like putting out for people to buy into at the time. I guess in the late 70s, maybe early 80s. And so, of course, the IRS came knocking on his door and he was like, wait, I thought this was all taken care of, you know? And of course, he's seeing his whole world crumble. By the time this was all being sorted out, he had a different manager. So this new manager was like, you should take the IRS to court. Like, Mm. he was like, are you you kidding me? Like, they're going to eat me alive. (laughs) He was like, I don't know shit about this stuff. Like... And he fought the IRS. And so I feel like this, there's this, it's almost like an urban legend. You always hear these stories about celebrities and like what they've been through, or what they've done or whatever. And it's always not the truth, not the whole truth, you know? Mm-hmm. Like the Michael Hutchins thing, how he killed himself accidentally because of autoerotic fixation, fixation or whatever. I heard that when I was in like middle school. But then I watched the documentary on him. Turns out he hit his head in a brawl with a cabbie and it left him with some severe brain damage that caused him to have some extreme depression. And he was taking, you know, medicine and stuff, drugs. It was not the autoerotic oh, thing. That's too bad. That's crazy, though. Like with celebrity, how people just feel like they can take the reins of your narrative and then it, it's just gospel, you know, and it can just be smirch yeah. your name for decades. It's crazy. Yeah. But good on Willie Nelson. That's, I never knew that. Yeah. And also just to hear him talking about music, like the music industry now and how he was writing songs for so many people 
and he barely got any dues for it. Mm. But he was always in the mindset that if I go on tour, if I do shows, that's how I can connect with the audience and make my money. And I think that's still the case for many artists. Like as long as you're out there selling your art in person through touring or whatever else, that's probably the best way to connect with your audience and get paid. Oh yeah. Because you can't really connect through Spotify and you're not getting paid with Spotify. Yeah. Tried and true. He's been pulled over by cops so many times for like weed in his car or his tour bus. But like there's one time, gosh, I'm telling you the entire documentary now, but there was one time where he, he ended up playing like a police benefit and he got on the mic was like, look, y'all. That's hysterical. We need to legalize marijuana, <laughs> like at the police. I'm shocked uh, he even benefit. went on stage. That sounds like a trap. Right. So when he got pulled over one time for having weed in his tour bus, uh, he, I think, was had to go to jail or had to go to court for sure. I don't remember if he had to go to jail. I think he did and then was bailed out. But the cop that wrote the ticket never showed up for court. And I think it was like on purpose, or at least Willie thinks it was on purpose. So they had to drop the charges. And especially because there was no real reason for the cops to actually search the tour bus. It was just like, oh, well, this is Willie Nelson. He probably has weed in his tour bus, (laughs) which isn't really fair. And so he got off, but he paid his, right? He paid his... He paid back that like karma by playing that benefit. So yeah, he's just like an all around amazing dude. And he's always been about progressive politics and, you know, standing up for the the humankind. I, I love it. He's wow. great. That's so cool that you're going to get to see him on your birthday. Yeah. I guess all that to say is he's got me into some country music as of late. And that led me down to listening to Nico Case's album again. Okay. Her 2008, her 2008 album. So I've chosen that for my album of the month discussion. Nice. All right. Well, how about, should I kick it off this time around? Yes. All right. So we'll get to Nico Case. I'm excited to talk about her. I'm going to start us off with a group I've wanted to talk about for a while now. And they released a new album this year. In February, the group is Moonchild, and the album is called Starfruit. So, Moonchild, LA-based trio of multi-instrumentalists, Andres Matson, Max Burke, and Amber Navrin, who is also the vocalist, they all play at least like five or six instruments from like the flute to the sax, keys, drums, just all of the things. Crazy talented bunch. When I think of Moonchild, the the words that come to mind are just like velvety, silky smooth, plush, warm, just that classic jazzy neo soul vibe at its finest. Love them. So this is their fifth album marking their 10 year anniversary. But before we dive into it, let's, let's do a little background info on the group. So they formed in the summer of 2011. They're all alumni of USC's Thornton School of Music. They'd been touring the West Coast together, supporting Amber's solo project at the time. And and they sort of bonded while being stuck in the car together, (laughs) sharing similar music tastes and just coming up with the seedling ideas that culminated in their debut album, Be Free, in the following year, 2012. 
So like already in that record, they established that very clear soul R&B sound, something that I believe they've perfected in Starfruit. You can hear that they've always known exactly who they are sonically, you know, and like without any, I don't know, creative identity crisis that you would expect, they've been free to just like explore and expand their horizons inside that space. So here's a bit of the track back to me from that debut album. What keeps you coming? What keeps you coming back to me, baby? Very groovy. Very, very groovy. The album was praised by some legit soul and R&B titans like Jill Scott, Robert Glasper, and Stevie Wonder, who even invited them to be his opening act for a show. That's pretty huge. Just right out, right out the gate from your debut album, right? So in 2015, they released Please Rewind, and again, they're digging deeper into that silky soul jazz sound, adding another layer of, I don't know, full fat butter on top. <laughs> um, here's a bit of the track, All the Joy. Then in 2017, they released the album Voyager. So again, nothing like super groundbreaking here, just more great jazzy R&B soul that's elevating with each release. I love this album though. I put it on in the background if I'm just relaxing or doing little chores around the house. It's, it's a vibe. And sometimes that's all you need, right? You just need a vibe, set the mood. Let's check out the list. I am completely obsessed with Amber's vocals. It's like a little Nora Jones, a little Erica Badu. You know what I mean? Oh, Nora Jones. I could totally hear that. I didn't hear that when I was listening to it. But when you say that it's now. It's that kind of husky, whispery thing. Like, I don't know. The word I like is cozy. It's like this cushy blanket breeziness in her voice that makes it feel like she's whispering in your ear. I don't know how she, I don't know how she makes it work so well. Like usually breathy vocals point to poor technique, <laughs> but not with this woman. It's interesting that you say that because I've noticed there's a lot more breathy vocal type vocalists uh, out there these days, like Billie Eilish. And I heard recently someone talking about how there are so many now like breathy singers and I maybe it's because of Billie Eilish, people are trying to maybe copy her. I'm not sure. But also technology is so much more advanced now, microphones mm -hmm. that are able to really pick up on the nuances of those voices. And it's kind of like in the 80s when there was advancement in those in microphones and recording. And then we get this like, well, I guess it wasn't the 80s. No, let's go back even further. Like the crooners, mm -hmm. the, the Sinatras and the um, those types, the crooners, the, the microphones were different, more advanced. So just different recording options. And I think we're, we're having that now with these breathy Yeah, singers. that's true. I mean... Just let me just say Billie Eilish is a one-of-a-kind talent. She has an incredible voice. But yeah, I do think a lot of times that that breathy style thing is is like a low-key cover-up for poor technique. Like, let's be real. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if they weren't, they're not pushing their voices out because if they were, you would hear. There's no, the there's no like lung the support there. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, but again, that's not always the case and definitely, definitely not with Amber. She... She has such great control. Nothing sounds forced or, or weak, really, for that matter. She's just in this really chill pocket. 
and she can sing like beautiful runs and soulful riffs um, that sound natural, you know, not like overboard or showy, like some pop singers who just like kick you in the face with their vocal gymnastics. You know what I mean? Everything just sounds really yeah. organic. And it's like she treats her voice like it's part of the the greater musical tapestry. It's it's just it's another instrument. And I really love that. Also, I love to watch her sing because she smiles the entire time. I don't know how oh. she's able to have such clean articulation and like vocal control and have such a soft, gentle smile on her face. It's like really charming to watch. Yeah. So so with their next album, 2019's Little Ghost, that's where I sense like a subtle shift. There's this cosmic funk element that sneaks in, I think. Maybe it's some of the synth stuff, but it's kind of on the fringe of King territory. Another group that I love, you know, King? No. Fantastic. Yeah. Also an amazing singer named Amber in that group. And actually Amber Struther from King, she's another one of these like gentle giants of vocal performance. She has this really sweet, gentle voice. But anyway, fun parallel there, but I digress. I have to say, I won't disagree with some common criticisms of the album and the previous albums too, regarding the length. Like I can see how some might find it a bit repetitive. Like the songs do kind of melt into one another and sit on the same wavelength. Um, but that's not always a bad thing, in my opinion. Yeah, you know, we've actually said the same of Aruj before, Aruj Aftab. Oh, right. But Aruj was saying, you know, it's like our culture is pushed to constantly be looking or hearing something different always. Right. And she wanted to like sit in those sounds and stay in those sounds. And it doesn't always have to be so different on every track. Uh, I thought it was a really interesting take. I'd never really considered that before. But I wrote for this album in my notes. I thought it could use a bit more diversity of sound. Yeah, yeah. Though it was really nice, like, and warm and cozy, like you said. And also, I'm not necessarily one that's really into a lot of lo-fi beats because for a while, they all start to blend together and sound the same to me. Mm -hmm. um, but I could see how, if you're really into that sound, like, this would be the perfect album for you, you know. And again, I think it would be, it's like a great record to listen to when you're making dinner or just, like, Chilling with your loved ones and your doggo with a glass of red wine. You know, it's like very cozy, soft, chill vibe. It's, it's a, a vibe, vibe, right? Like if you're just yeah. trying to set a mood, this is it. Plus, none of the songs are bad. Like you can't, you can't right. say the music's bad. But I do think in this one, they, they kind of stretch a little bit. For example, let's hear a bit of Still Wonder. I think that one is the most King-like, and it's got this neat, like, Prince snare or clap sound in there. It's a really cool track, and it sounds a little bit different from the other stuff they've done. So that brings us to their recent February release, Starfruit. And I think this album is, without question, their best to date. I do think they have tried to expand their horizons a bit on this one, thanks to some cleverly curated guest artists. And I think the standout tracks are the ones with those features. Ooh, I'm curious if we have the same standout tracks. Okay, let's see then. So the album starts off with my favorite track, Tell Him, featuring the great Layla Hathaway. Yeah, 
This song has such a great catchy melody and Layla's voice meshes so well into the mix, like with Amber's background purrs and everything. It's, it's such a good match, don't you think? Yeah, definitely. I, I wrote vibes, smooth. Yeah, love that song. So back in 2020 during quarantine and once their tour with Jill Scott had been canceled as a result, uh, the group launched a song a day project, which is a fun idea. And a few of those tracks made it onto this album, including this one. And also due to the pandemic, they were able to lock down some long desired collaborations with artists they admired like Hathaway, who suddenly had some free time to work with them. <laughs> you know, yeah. so lucky for them. Another favorite of mine is You Got One. So this song features Alex Isley, a singer who's also dropped some new music this year. And in case you're wondering, she is the daughter of Ernie Isley from the Isley Brothers. She comes from nice. good R&B stock there. Uh, <laughs> random side note, she has synesthesia, sees music as colors. I think that's cool. I can't even imagine how that, how do you go through, like, what is that like? You we, know, we I can't imagine. Know. Well, we might find a chemical that lets us know yeah, for a few hours. That's true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Moonchild intentionally invited black women to appear on the album. Amber says, I was so overjoyed that they were down and I'm obsessed with everything they did. All too often, black women don't get the recognition and credit they deserve for their incredible talent and contributions to the music industry and in every industry seen in space. Each one of these women has been a huge inspiration to us, and we were so honored to get the opportunity to make music with them. And I think you can really hear their efforts to create grooves that allow the guest artists to shine, you know? For example, mm -hmm. the track and the single from the album Get By, which features Tank and the Bangas. Excuse me for the mix up. Had to put my phone down just to get my weight up. Hold up. Now I need to wait now so my body's up. Coasting on that wood now so my surface up. I think this song really plays to everyone's strengths, you know, like it's real groovy and catchy. It's such a good marriage of what makes each group so great. You know, it's not just like, hey, here you pop in and sing a verse or whatever. It, it feels like a thoughtful integration of their sounds. And I really like Tank yeah. and the Bangas. First time I ever heard of them was from that NPR Tiny Desk performance. Oh, yeah, that so was I epic. can't remember where I saw it or who rec recommended it, but it definitely is is one of their, I think... One of the best Tiny Desk performances I've ever seen. For sure, for sure. They hit the scene with a bang. Yeah, that Tiny Desk is great. And there's a really cool... Um, oh, sorry, go ahead. I just want to say, there's a really cool animated lyric video for Get By. And it's That's what I was cool. going to say. You were going to say that too. I was like, have you seen the animated video? It's so good. <laughs> I love it. It's great. Yeah. That one, this track, Get By, is definitely one that stood out for me. Uh, with Tank and the Bangas, and I love that animated video, and it's such a feel-good, sort of empowering song. Yeah, totally. To tell yourself to get by, you know, that's good. So lastly, I want to share a bit of Love I Need featuring Rhapsody. According to Andrus Matson. He says, quote, musically, I'd say this track is a love letter to Sly Stone and D'Angelo, just the rawness of how they make their tracks. 
And also Grammy-nominated North Carolina rapper Rhapsody is, is just perfect for this celebration of Black women artists theme they've got going since her material is all about telling the stories of Black womanhood in America. And I think it's just a dope track that's got this really funky thumping bass line and it's definitely like the greediest and the dirtiest on the album. Gets the neck, mm-hmm. gets the neck jerking, gets that stank face going. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. Additional guest artists include LA-based MC Il Camille, Mumu Fresh, a hip-hop artist out of Baltimore, Josh Johnson, and Atlanta's own Shantae Can. Well, I should say Chicago-raised, Atlanta-based. <laughs> but we can go ahead and claim her. <laughs> and I've had the pleasure of seeing her, uh, Shantae Can, a few times around town live and was excited to see her pop up on this record. It's like a really perfect place for her to be. Cool. Yeah. So yeah, that's it, man. All in all, another dope album from a group that consistently gets better and better. I'm really impressed with their creative trajectory. And uh, it's definitely the chill vibe needed for this hot-ass summer. Yeah. Yeah. So the standout tracks for me, the first one, for sure. Tell them. Hathaway. Yes. Which we've already discussed at length. I just also really love the lyrics. It's like, you're going to have to tell him. It's kind of like the roller coaster of love where you... You've, you're in love with someone, you've given your, them your heart, your passion, and then they've kind of, they've taken away the trust. They've taken away mm. that. They've kind of ruined it for you and for themselves. And now you're going to have to tell them, like, bro, it's over. <laughs> I really like that song. And then Get By, which we've just spoken about, the feel-good, empowering sound song. And then by now, I really like that one. Yeah, um, that's a good one too. That's really fuzzy sonically, uh, her voice. And it's just, it's kind of like a, just a nice warm feeling on your ears. And then the song, Don't Worry Home. I love the fluttering yeah. flutes in the beginning. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's the best part. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I love when she plays the flute. They all play horns, and they're all so talented. Yeah, I mean, as soon as I heard that, the little flutter of the mm-hmm. flute, I was like, oh, that's nice, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I said that out loud. But yeah, again, I think this album is perfect for just chilling at home with your dog, your, your lover, some red wine, maybe a fuzzy blanket. Yeah, just take a load off, you know, chill out. See, I'm, I don't always go for the super crazy, hyper fast stuff. So I like no, to chill you, out too. Yeah, you like the hiatus coyote. Yeah, they're definitely Shade. in the hiatus coyote universe. Moonchild. <laughs> totally. And then the. Or like, um, who else do they remind me of? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> I'm on the extremes, I got to say. They also remind yeah. me of um, a little bit of Little Dragon in there. Too. Oh yeah, yeah. Wait, didn't they tour with with them too? I would not be shocked. Sometime? That would have been a dream show. Where the hell was I? I know. I feel like I s- maybe saw that somewhere. I can't remember. That would have been dope. Maybe not. Yeah. So my album of the month is not as chill, but definitely is a slow burn. I would say. Okay. 
in a totally different realm, kind of slow burn. Um, and that's Fox Confessor Brings the Flood from 2008 by Nico Case. An eagle swooped down from a semi-trailer Took the name of your town from a shark to freighter The needle's the same, they're recorded and play- So Nico Case is an American singer-songwriter. She was born in Virginia, but she's very well known as a singer for the Canadian indie rock group New Pornographers. She has just this like crazy untrained contra alto voice and I think it's really funny in the Wikipedia it has a different descriptors that She often, or she's gotten a lot from critics about her voice. Uh, Flamethrower, a powerhouse, which seems like it might level buildings. A 120 mile mile per hour fastball and a vocal tornado. Wow, that's intense. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think her songwriting really suits that voice. She's often writing these dark kind of almost like murder ballady sad or creepy songs and her voice just really it just fits that vibe so well but I wanted to go through her career her music career a little bit before we get to that album just because I feel like it goes well into where she is at that point you can kind of see how she's changed over time but so in 1994, she moved to Vancouver. For, so she was from Virginia, but she moved to Vancouver for college and she played drums in a lot of local punk bands there. She left Vancouver without graduating college, which meant she lost her visa. So she headed towards Seattle. And but before she left, she recorded some vocals for Mass Romantic. So Mass Romantic is the album by the New Pornographers that was released in 2000. And it was surprisingly successful in the indie world. But so in 1997, she recorded this album called The Virginian, in which she really leaned into her influences and embraced country. And she even covered songs by like Ernest Tubb, Patsy Cline. But she got um, a lot of she got a lot of comments and reviews about her voice saying that she was like Patsy Cline or Wanda Jackson. And, and I just, you know, can you imagine being compared to these legends? Yeah, wow. So then in 2000, she released her second solo album, Furnace Room Lullaby, which started to then get a little bit on the darker side, the, that country noir that she's very much now known for. And then, and this is, I think this is such a great story. In 2002, she wrote her third full-length album, Blacklisted, and the title supposedly alludes to her being banned for life from the Grand Ole Opry because she took her shirt off during a performance (laughs) at one of their outdoor plaza concerts, and she has said she had a heat stroke. I think that's kind of awesome. gangsta. Yeah. What are you going to do? Jeez. Yeah, exactly. So of that album, Blacklisted, a bunch of the songs are originals, but there are some covers. There's an Aretha Franklin cover, a Sarah Vaughn cover, and then it goes even deeper in that country noir mood. And she has cited David Lynch and Neil Young as 
influences. And so of all of the creepiness. What an interesting David palette. Lynch is like, right? So fast forward to 2006. And I think I said 2008 earlier uh, when this record came out, but it's actually 2006. I just uh, need glasses or a monocle. That would be great. <laughs> Fox cool. Confessor Brings the Flood, <laughs> released in March of 2006. And it was on a ton of best of lists. And it's it's just dark. There's a lot of kind of, again, dark imagery and religious themes and non-standard song structures and these storylines that aren't all the way, there's like holes in them for you to sort of put your own thing on it. Mm. They're not very literal stories. She just flexes her songwriting skills so hard in this album. I love it so much. She just has a fabulous way with words. I even listened to an interview recently on the MailChimp podcast of all places. She's having an interview with Shirley Manson. And Shirley opens up the interview by saying, oh, another redhead, just like me. You know, there's not many of us around or something like that. And Nico is like, oh, well, I'm not actually really a redhead. And she says, the color of her hair is like an old fence post on a farm. (laughs) It's not all brown. It's not all gray. It's kind of devoid of color, but. She's really funny. Anyways, I I know. I was just like, as soon as she said it, I knew exactly the color she was describing. Mm -hmm. But also, that was such a poetic way to describe the color of your hair that's maybe going gray. She just has a fabulous way with words. I also wanted to speak to the album title a little bit before we dive into the songs. Fox Confessor Brings the Flood. And I think this might be a a Ukrainian tale. Her ancestors are Ukrainian. The story, I think, goes there's a thirsty fox who wanders into a whale to get a drink. He steps on on the water bucket and he sinks to the bottom. Down there, he's kind of screwed because there's no water and he can't get back up. So a wolf comes along and the fox tells the wolf that the bottom of the well is paradise. But he can only get there if he confesses all his sins to the fox. So the wolf does that. Then the fox tells him to step into the other bucket. And as the wolf moves down, the fox bucket goes up. The fox runs away and uh, eventually some friars come to go get water and they find the find the wolf and they kill the wolf. So wait, they just got him he just got him to spill all his private business for no reason. Right, but like look at the religious uh, yeah, I know. like <laughs> undertone there. I mean it's thinking of how you're confessing your sins sure, to like sure. a priest and then you end up dying this death. You're not actually led to paradise at all or heaven. So <laughs> Very dark, but interesting. Kind of opens up. That's cool. I was kind of wondering what that meant. Yeah. It's a cool title. It opens up the storylines to some of the songs as well on the record. There's a theme. But let's just jump into some of my favorites. Margaret versus Pauline is, is a great song. Again, the lyrics are not overly complex at all. There doesn't seem to be any super like depth here, but it's kind of a rich girl, poor girl story and everything's so easy for Pauline. 
Two girls ride the blue line. Two girls walk down the same street. One left her sweater sitting on the train. The other lost three fingers at the cannery. Everything's so easy for Pauline. Like it's, <laughs> it's very straightforward, but. It's dark, but it's also kind of humorous. One left a sweater sitting on the train and the other lost three fingers at the cannery. Exactly. And also without being completely obvious, it's still pretty obvious. I don't mm-hmm. know. You get it when you read that line automatically. It's just, but it's such a good like lyric, you know? I love it. Um, another that I really love is Star Witness. And when you first hear this, you think, oh, this is about a car accident where there's love lost, you know? Hey, when she sings, when she sings, when she sings like she runs. There's an interview, I think from Pitchfork, that Nico says um, it's actually about a shooting she witnessed in Chicago. But I don't really get that from the song at all. I get like I, I get that it's like a car accident with love with love lost, not a shooting. But it also kind of has like a like a murder ballad vibe yeah. to it. I'd have to read the lyrics again, but I, I did read in an interview somewhere about how she likes to make up stories. So maybe that experience was just like, you know, the root where she kind of built this other, you know. That's true. Fictional story from. Yeah. These are like the first three songs on the album that I'm talking about. So I'm already, I'm like barely into it. And all these are, oh, this one's my favorite. This one's my favorite. <laughs> but Hold On, Hold On is actually my favorite. We're the from the bride. It's the devil I love. Devil I love. And supposedly she says that this is actually a song about herself it's not metaphorical about any other people it's actually about herself she says and one of the first I think it's the first line actually says the most tender place in my heart is for strangers is that like hopeful or is it cynical Mm, yeah I feel like you could look at it both both. ways yeah (laughs) she said in one interview it's not about always looking around and realizing how old you are and how not married you are, and how many kids you don't have, and what a freak that makes you. But then you just have a few and give the world the finger. But then I, I read another thing that was like, it's about the story of Nico leaving a wedding reception, relieved to be alone, and with drugs given to her by the bride. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. It's, it's amazing. Fox Confessor Brings a Flood, the title track. Clouds hang on these curves like me And I kneel to the wheel of the Fox Confessor of Splendid Um, She wrote after visiting her dying grandmother, who had been sick for a really long time. But she, when she left, and she was maybe on tour, I think, on the road, she was grieving the death before the death even happened. Maybe she was preparing herself. She said she felt very present after leaving. And 
some of the lyrics in that song. It's not for you to know, but for you to weep and wonder when the death of your civilization precedes you. Will I ever see you again? Will there be no one above me to put my faith in? I flooded my sleeves as I drove home again. Mm. And she says she gets choked up when she sings the song, but not usually for the other songs. And she said she didn't want it to be pretty, but it's pretty. (laughs) Of course it is. Yeah. Yeah. And then lastly, I'm only talking about these two because I feel like they're kind of perfect segue, like one segues really well into the next. There's a song called John Saw That Number, and I think it's a take on an actual religious song. God told the angel of Sierra John. So if you hit with the moon and its waist, get the wind in his fists and the stars and his wrist, riding holy, holy to the But it seems like she's talking about not actually John the Baptist, but John the Evangelist, who was the one that ended up getting killed i i don't know bible stories very well because i was raised a heathen but um (laughs) she's saying that this john might end up with the same gruesome fate as the john the evangelist john but he gets saved when god sends the angel to to help him foresee the end of the world but what he sees is a seven-headed sea monster with ten crowns which represents satan in the number 666 But then the next song is Dirty Knife. And the woodsman failed to breach those fangs in time. So they dragged him through the underbrush. Which is like Mm. bloody, gory, super dark. And it's just like, okay, you're talking about this. John, you might get executed. And then the next one is like, Dirty knife. Dude, I'm going to have to go back and listen to this again and like plug into this narrative she's got going. This is fascinating. It is. But Dirty Knife, these lyrics, and the woodsman failed to breach those fangs in time, so they dragged him through the underbrush wearing three winter coats and a dirty knife. The final part is Ukrainian, and there's like a part that it's really kind of hard to tell what it says, but apparently it's Ukrainian, and it apparently means he shouts very loudly, clenching his teeth according to alwaysontherun.net. It's just so dark, you know? Um, Yeah, sweet dreams. I know, but it doesn't feel, I mean, it does have that sort of ominous, her voice has this like ominous country brooding sound, but it's really a beautiful album. It is. Maybe that's what I was feeling. I I was like, I was really fascinated while listening to it because I kept thinking I'd listen to one song and be like, okay, I know where this is going. And I'd kind of like sink into that zone. And then the next track would be something quite different. And I'd be like, wait, I don't, I couldn't get a peg on her, you know? Yeah. It just kept kind of, but not like a drastic unnerving kind of change, but she just kept kind of shifting around this thing really like expertly. And I thought it was, I thought it was a beautiful album, but it was never what I expected it to be at any point. Yeah. Cool. Which ones were your favorite tracks? So, okay. So I think, hmm, I really liked Star Witness. I liked Hold On, Hold On. I started hearing other voices in her voice. Like, Hold On, Hold On. I was hearing a bit of Stevie Nicks in there. Ooh, yeah. Another witchy lady. Yeah, yeah. And uh, John (laughs) saw that number I also liked. And I I heard a little bit of Dolly in there, even. Ooh, yeah. Um, I just got chills. (laughs) But I think my favorite, strangely, is A Widow's Toast. Better times collide with 
Acapella piece in the middle. Oh, yeah. It like, I don't know, it was just some, I should read the lyrics, they're probably really dark too, but it felt like, it felt like a Christmas carol. I don't know. It just, there was something, and maybe it was that religious, that religious feeling of like those old hymns, the structure of it, but it, it was a really lovely acapella. And I, I also heard, are you familiar with um, the singer LP? She's got that song Lost on You. No. I know Her, LP from Run the Jewels. Don't think that's the same person. I don't. I don't think so. <laughs> no, yeah, it's a guy. But yeah, no, it's a lady, and she has just this spectacular voice. And I feel like Nico Case has kind of like a milder version of LP's voice. Okay, there you go. RSS homework. Check out Lost on You because I think you'd be really impressed with okay. LP. I also okay. loved Lion's Jaws. I enjoyed that Ooh, as well. Yeah, which again is like you know in the lion's den. Yeah. Good stuff. Another religious thing. Widow's Toast, it does almost have like a, like a Auld Lang Syne New Year's Eve. Yeah, just like a coral yeah. thing. And that appeals yeah. to me. And better times collide with now, better times are coming still. It is very much like an Auld Lang, to Auld Lang mm-hmm. Syne. Mm-hmm. I feel that. Now I just want to, I just want to sit down and read all of her lyrics now. Oh Yeah. Yeah. There's that song, that teenage feeling too, Mm -hmm. that it's like the one person is telling the other person that they kind of are hanging on to the idea of love, but their heart is jaded. It's green, Mm. green like jade. I don't know, man. She's such a good writer. But again, it doesn't, it's not like overly literal. You can still put your own meaning onto it, but enough to say like, I, I think I understand what she's putting down. But that's the mark of an exceptional writer when they manage to kind of do both at the same time, where they that's make true. the meaning so accessible, but it's still shrouded in like these beautiful metaphors or, or, or anything. But it's still, it's still there, yeah. you know? Um, yeah. That's really impressive. Not a lot of songwriters can do that. And it's crazy if you go and you listen to that song, Mass Romantic, from The New Pornographers, which came out in 2000, and then mm-hmm. go and listen to like... Star Witness, totally different vibe, mm-hmm. completely different vibe. And it's, so it's really interesting to watch her progression from recording those songs and then to, to then. Um, I think she recently put out something new, but I haven't heard it yet. Mm-hmm. So I'm behind on new music. Well, what's the tie-in here? We can always find a commonality. I'm going immediately with Slow Burn. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would agree with that. They definitely both have really strong moods <laughs> that's true you know what moods. i mean definitely yeah. mood setters moody slow burn and they don't they don't like jerk you around em- emotionally or whatever but they're just really like a really solid voice really solid perspectives musically that aren't trying to do too much it's like artists who really know their lane and are maximizing their expression in that lane i think that's the connection yeah that's a good that's a good way of putting it Good summarization. I love her interviews because she's so witty. Um, and earlier when you read a quote from her, just talking about how you, you instantly got it, you got the picture. I have a quote as well that made me feel the same way. It's a lot yeah. sadder, but I would still like to read it to you. <laughs> yeah. So I was really interested in her, the interviews where she talks about growing up and her relationship or lack thereof with her parents. 
And she was just talking about like remembering things in her life while songwriting and dealing with bouts of depression. And she said something I thought was really touching and like kind of heavy. I think this was on NPR. Um, They asked about her losing her creative sense, you know, while being depressed. And she said, it was always there, but being depressed is a lot like wearing this weird diving suit made of Ziploc baggies or something. And you're there with other people and you see them and you hear them and touch them through the baggies, but you can't conduct electricity. Oh, (laughs) I really loved that. Yeah. And it is weird how you can just totally know what she means when she says that. Yeah. Cause you're still moving through the world, but there's this, this disconnect. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't hit you until the last phrase. Cause you're like, what's she talking about? Ziploc baggies, but she's right. It's like, you're touching, you're trying to make those connections and you can't conduct electricity. I just thought it was really well said. And it's not like I've really experienced depression in the same way that maybe she has, but you, yeah, it's like, I definitely know what she means. Have you heard that if you look at something, your tongue knows immediately what it feels like? Anything. Your tongue can tell what something feels like, and you've never even licked it before. Oh, that's creepy. Okay. Because now I'm like looking at stuff <laughs> and tasting it. <laughs> but I have that, you know, like it's it's kind of like that with that description of depression. I don't it's want like our, we just we just get it. We've never I want really our customers to feel it. violated, so I'm going to stop doing that now. <laughs> That's a good call. <laughs> yeah, but it's like I, I haven't experienced, again, I haven't experienced it, but I know what she's saying. Totally. Yeah. I hope she writes a musical autobiography because I'll definitely read Ooh, that. Ooh, maybe she has. Can you imagine? Yeah. Well, yeah, cool. Well, I think we found nice connection, again, like we always do, Yeah. between He's- two albums that are completely different from each other. But not, there's still something there in common. But both musicians who clearly know who they are and haven't strayed from the path, unapologetic, just doing what they do best. I respect that. Yep, me too. And both records would make for a great night at home with a glass of red wine. For sure. One might be sadder than the other one, though. (laughs) Right. (laughs) All right, well, I will say that I highly recommend that everyone listen to Fox Confessor, but also Willie Nelson's new record. Right on. You will be inspired by both, I think. Cool. Cool. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's close up shop. Yeah. I think I see some clouds rolling through, man. We've got to get out of here before the storm hits. Good call. <laughs> All right. Well, we, we will catch you later. Thanks for shopping. Sayonara. See y'all later. That was my country version of goodbye. Staying on theme. Bye. Bye. <laughs> I like it. Bye. Record Store Society is hosted by Natalie White and Tara Davies. If you'd like to contact the show, visit our website at recordstoresociety.com. Or you can find us on all your favorite social media sites with the handle at Record Store Society.